Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. So for a few weeks, I have been kind of walking us through this topic of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And of course, that subject's always going to be attached to the person of the Holy Spirit and the general work of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are probably the most controversial aspect. And if not controversial, then we can probably at least all acknowledge that they are debatable. The gifts of the Spirit are debated quite often by different groups within the body of Christ who equally love the Lord, but come to different conclusions about the gifts of the Spirit. And I will say this repeatedly, that I do not believe a person's views on the gifts of the Holy Spirit need to be a test of fellowship. I do understand that within the body of Christ, there are both groups, uh, people in both groups on either side of the aisle that often make one's views of the gifts of the Holy Spirit a test for fellowship. And I just don't think that's wise. I don't think that that's necessary. But that is not to say that it isn't important that we reach biblical conclusions concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because again, if you've listened to the previous sessions, the episodes in this little mini-series on the gifts that I'm doing, you you recognize that you've got a group that really seriously believes the Bible teaches that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural gifts, came to an end around the conclusion of the first century. And then you've got another group that believes that, no, those gifts have never ended. They still are ongoing today, and we ought to be operating in them. And so here's what I like to tell people. Both groups can't be right. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. And so this isn't kind of, well, we leave it up to the individual person. No, God has the truth, and we need to press in to the authority and the source of all truth, which is the Word of God. And having said that, I want to recognize that people on both sides of the aisle say they reach their conclusions through the Word of God. But the Word of God can't say two different opposing things. And so the Bible either teaches that the gifts stop at the end of the first century or the Bible does not teach that. Um, You know that I'm in the camp that says the Bible does not teach that, and I'll strengthen it. I believe absolutely, without equivocation, the Bible nowhere teaches that the gifts have stopped. And I'm going to make that a point of an entire episode um, in one of the broadcasts that is upcoming. But today, I just really want to talk about the why behind the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And and want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, you really should. Um, because I highlighted what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, what the Apostle Paul taught about the Holy Spirit. And then last time, just gave some overview about why we can't be ignorant about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that was whole, Paul's whole purpose in writing 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, was that he didn't want his 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 readers to be ignorant or uninformed about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he sought to educate them. And so we can actually learn objectively the very same things that Paul wanted his original audience to learn. And by now you recognize that my approach to this is not one based primarily on experience. I'm not against experiencing the gifts. I have experienced them. I do practice them. They are part of my life and my ministry. But I don't really want to rely on experience unless it is uh, supported by what the scripture says, because experience could lead us astray if that's all we had. 
but we have the authority of the word of God in what it says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm hoping that you will give your heart fully to the scriptures as we continue this study. So again, today, I really want to talk to you about the, the why. Why were the gifts of the Holy Spirit originally given? The, you know, I don't want to take that for granted. I want to make sure we know that God didn't just kind of toss gifts out there because they were super cool and he wanted some signs and wonders to spice up the early church. The, the gifts were actually given for a purpose and to the degree that we detach spiritual gifts from their original purpose, that's where confusion can set in. So remember again with me, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he opens it up and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant brothers and sisters about spiritual gifts. And so let's talk about why and how the spiritual gifts were originally given. And that'll occupy our time in this episode of Mavericks and Misfits. By the way, thank you for tuning in. I don't take it for granted. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you haven't subscribed to Mavericks and Misfits, please do that wherever you're listening to this and go ahead and give us a rating and a review that helps us to keep a digital footprint and it gives us greater exposure to other people. So I'd encourage you if you believe that I'm doing a good work by doing these podcasts and you think it's healthy and helpful, take five minutes and help me out. It could be even be your thank you. Say, thanks, Jeff, for teaching us to take five minutes and subscribe and rate and review Mavericks and Misfits, and I sure would appreciate that. So why and how were the spiritual gifts originally given? Well, I want you to remember, first of all, that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were promised by Jesus, and they were initiated on the day of Pentecost via the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what Jesus said? And this is post-resurrection. Jesus said this, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is after Jesus has died and risen from the dead, but it is prior to Pentecost. And he tells the disciples, go into Jerusalem and stay there until until what, Jesus? Until this thing happens, and he describes it as being clothed with power from on high. So Jesus promised them. He said, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. So the Holy Spirit, along with his empowering presence and gifts, was promised by Jesus. Now, we're flashing forward, still in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12. This is where we're told that spiritual gifts are sovereignly chosen by God and they're given to individuals, individual believers, by the Holy Spirit. And so this is important that the Holy Spirit is not simply a force or a, a stream of power. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. He's not something from God. He's not a, a zap from God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Everything Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is. Everything the Father is, the Holy Spirit is. There's no dilution or variation of who he is in his essence and his character. And so we should honor the Holy Spirit as God. It is extremely extremely dishonoring, in my opinion, for us to be embarrassed of the Holy Spirit, ashamed of the Holy Spirit, quiet on the Holy Spirit, because the the works of the Holy Spirit are debated by Christians. And therefore, a lot of people just don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to remind you, that's not an option. We are to glorify God and the Holy Spirit is God. And so listen to these words. Forgive me for the length of this passage, but I really want to appeal to you from the scriptures. I really want to challenge you to frame up your views on the Holy Spirit by what the Bible says. And so this is what it says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, it says this, 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It tells us right there, why is the manifestation of the Spirit, the, the visible manifestation of the Spirit, why does that take place? For the common good of the body of Christ. And then verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And then verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, friends, those verses are crucial. We're told right there, each believer is given a manifestation of the Spirit, is given a gift of the Spirit, an endowment from the Spirit, a power, a gift. However you want to describe it in this phrase, it is he is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So it's not enough to say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. He's silent. He's invisible. He lives within me. He sealed me unto the day of redemption. Paul would not let us get away with that. He says, no, the Holy Spirit within you will manifest out from you. And then he describes these different manifestations of the Spirit, whether it be word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whether it be faith, the gift of faith, healings, whether it be miracles or prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and so on. He says those are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And he goes out of his way to say all of these come through the Spirit. He says, given through the Spirit, according to the same Spirit, by the same Spirit, by the one Spirit. And then verse 11 sums it all up when he says, all these, all these gifts, all these individual Christians, they are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I love that because what it tells me is this, the Holy Spirit is interactive, intentional, and in, in an individual way, working in each of us, uh, bringing forth the manifestation of his presence and power in our lives as he chooses. And so I think that slows me down. I remember the days of, of being a cessationist, one who believed the gifts had ceased at the end of the first century. And the main reason why I believed that was not because I reached a biblical conclusion. The main reason was because that's what I was taught. The first people that got to me when teaching the gifts of the Holy Spirit were the people who didn't believe in the gifts. And then when I would read passages like this, I, I kept looking, I kept reading all around these verses and other places in scripture. I'm, I'm trying to find where in the Bible is what is written here undone, erased, written, countered, nullified. Where is that in the Bible? Because it's very specific it's very clear, and I couldn't find anywhere in the scripture where it says, but all this stuff stops at the end of the first century. I mean, it's very intentional, it's very detailed, and I kept saying, well, why was I taught that this stuff ended, and I couldn't find it anywhere in the scripture? And so we're seeing that the spiritual gifts are sovereignly chosen and given to individual believers by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we should honor those gifts. We may not understand them. We may, may not operate in all of the gifts. We may find that people abuse those gifts. But we see in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit originates and disperses the gifts. Now, the primary purpose for the gifts of the Holy Spirit may surprise some of you. 
It's not so we can have wild and crazy Sunday services or prayer meetings or, you know, healing meetings and all of that. That's not the primary purpose for the gifts of the Spirit. It's not supposed to be on YouTube. It's not supposed to be on Instagram or Snapchat. It's not supposed to be cool and sensational and build a big audience like a circus show. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not ashamed of what the Holy Spirit does, but one of the reasons why a lot of people like I used to be failed to believe in the gifts of the Spirit is because we saw all the nonsense that went with it in a lot of charismatic areas. And so it was a big turnoff to us and it was a stumbling block. Thank God by his grace that he just kind of moved on my heart to study the scriptures, to see what the scriptures say. And what I found out is, no, the gifts are real, even though sometimes they're not used in a mature and a loving way. But the primary gifts, uh, primary purpose for the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for the edification of individual believers and mutual ministry to other believers, the, the building up of the body of Christ. Listen, the Holy Spirit and his gifts, as they work and operate in us and through us, he builds us up through the gifts individually, and he builds up others through the gifts coming out of our lives and into the lives of others. So the purpose of the gifts is that they are building tools. They are tools meant to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen us, to equip us, to take us beyond our natural abilities and talents, and to literally equip us for advancing the gospel, for authenticating with power what we are saying, and to remind people that Christianity is not simply a system of belief that exists only in the realm of the mind or in the realm of the mouth with words, but Christianity is the expression of an ongoing vital relationship with Jesus Christ himself. And the evidence of that is that our lives have an otherworldly characteristic about them in ministry. And so when we're thinking about this, I want us to discipline our minds. We've got to realize that the kingdom of God is not one gigantic, never-ending Bible study. Again, I'm a Bible guy. We're talking through the scriptures right now. That's what I do. But friends, the end of the kingdom is not with a never-ending Bible study. Paul said, I did not come to you in word only, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit power. The kingdom of God is not in talk, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. So we see that the purpose for this is to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. That's the book of Jude, verse 20, says that praying in the Holy Spirit, those are not my words, that's the Bible, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. That's verse 20 of Jude. So very quickly here, why didn't Jude just say, just pray? Hey guys, pray, get up early, pray, pray several times a day. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Why did Jude make a distinction between just praying versus praying in the spirit. And he says, when you pray in the spirit, you are building yourself up in your most holy faith. Well, if you want my opinion on that, I think it's very clear that there are various means of praying, but there is something about praying, as Jude calls it, in the Holy Spirit that builds you up. And Paul would talk about, use the same phrase. He says, when I pray in the spirit, I am not praying with my mind. We'll go over that in a little bit. But he are praying with the spirit or in the spirit. And Jude says that the end result is that you build yourself up in the faith. Um, so obviously there, 
the gift of praying in the Spirit. I believe he's referring to tongues. You can disagree with me on that. It would have been a lot easier if Jude had just said praying in tongues, but he said praying in the Spirit, which was a common phrase in the early church, and everybody knew what it meant. So it meant something. And so Jude says, yep, that'll build you up. But what about building up others? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I want to talk to my charismatic brothers and sisters out there and those of you that operate and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in a lot of places, that's like a badge of honor. Well, you know, I'm, I've got the extra juice because I pray in the Spirit or I've got a very substantial ministry because I prophesy or I can lay my hands on people and deliver them from the powers of darkness and demonic oppression or sicknesses or disease. And listen, I believe all of that stuff occurs in the kingdom of God. I am 100% for that. But let us remember that the reason why the Holy Spirit gives the gifts is for the common good. It is not primarily so we will be known as gifted. As a matter of fact, I believe a greater anointing remains with those who don't want to be known at all, but will take all of the gifting that God gives them and use it for the common good of the body of Christ, that we might minister to one another. So right now, one of the gifts that I'll go over later in the series is the gift of teaching. That's a gift that God has given me. I don't strut around as the gifted teacher. That's, not, that's just not what I do. What gift do I have that I didn't receive? And if I received it, why would I boast as if I did not receive it? And so it's not about strutting around with your gift or being impressed with your gift or flaunting your gift or making a show out of your gift. That's the quickest way to lose the effectiveness of your gift. But for the Christian that will use her gift in a way that builds up others, God says, "Mm, that daughter of mine has the touch of heaven on her because I've entrusted her with a gift and she's using it for the reason I gave it to her, which is to build up other people. Uh, Paul would contrast the gift of prophecy with the gift of tongues. In the church at Corinth, the gift of tongues was a problem at the church of Corinth because obviously the gift of tongues is one of the most clearly supernatural otherworldly gifts because literally it employs by its very usage a language that is not a known language to the audience. And so if a person is speaking in tongues, whether the tongues of men or the tongues of angels, but a person is speaking in tongues, it's a clear signal that the Lord is doing something with a gift in that person. So what was happening in Corinth? Well, apparently some people were just kind of going out of bounds and they were all talking in tongues, talking all over each other. It was disrupting the gatherings that they were having together. And so Paul had to say, hey, look, Tongues are great, but tongues edify the person speaking in tongues, whereas prophecy edifies the person who's being prophesied unto. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 14.4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Now, don't miss that. And then he says, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Very quickly here, the person who prays or speaks in tongues is building up himself. The Bible does not say that is bad. Matter of fact, again, what Jude said, when you pray in the spirit, you are building up yourself. And so you can connect those two, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. They both result in building up yourself. I believe they're the same thing. And there's nothing wrong with building up yourself. But when the church is gathered, that's not the time to build yourself up. What happens when the church is gathered? That's our time to use our gifts to build others up. 
to serve others, to build up the body of Christ. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And he will go on to say, that's why he would rather everybody learn to prophesy, everybody pursue the gift of prophecy. Um, Again, I keep forecasting what we're going to talk about in future episodes, but we're going to talk about tongues in one episode, maybe two. We're going to talk about prophecy in at least two episodes because these gifts are very common among those of us that believe in the gifts. But that the reality is, is that tongues doesn't really build up the body of Christ. Tongues, and especially uninterpreted tongues, bring absolutely no building up to the general body. In other words, I can sit in your presence all day long and pray in tongues. And if it's not interpreted, you get nothing out of what I'm doing. I'm exercising a gift, but it's not interpreted. Therefore, you benefit zero from it. And God says, that's not love. That's not preferring others better than yourself, Jeff. That is you using your gift for yourself in the presence of others that you should be ministering to. But if I prophesy, if I receive a word from the Lord and I speak it out and it edifies those in the room, then I'm using a gift to build up the body of Christ. I have received such strength from people that operate with the gift of prophecy and they speak what they hear the Lord saying and sometimes disclosing the very uh, innermost workings of my heart that they could not have known. And so you, you become aware, oh man, this is the Lord reinforcing what I know is going on in my life and he's speaking to me about it through a person sitting right in front of me that could not otherwise know. This is supernatural, this is the Holy Spirit. And immediately you're built up in the faith. And that's why Paul says the gifts are given. Now, as we're approaching the end of this broadcast, I'm going to make this one shorter than the other ones. And I want to, I want to say this. If the first century church needed the gifts for their body life, their corporate life together, for ministry both unto one another and to the um, unsaved, And if it was required for them to have these gifts in order to advance the kingdom of God, why do we say we don't need them? Why or how can we say that we don't need what the first century church needed? In my opinion, darkness has grown. Spiritual warfare has increased. The culture is far more evil today than it was in Paul's day. There are manifold more ways for people to express their evil. There is a greater movement of wickedness in the forces of hell in our generation, especially as we approach the end of the age. And yet we have entire segments of the body of Christ that say, yeah, but we can handle this. We don't need those supernatural gifts anymore. We have the Bible. Do you know that the devil knows the Bible better than you? Do you know that the devil has an objective understanding of what the Bible says far better than any Christian living today? He, he knows the Bible back and forth, up and down. He's not intimidated by the scripture. Let me tell you what causes the devil to flee when you resist him in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. He'll let you recite scriptures to him all day long, but if there's no power behind it, it's nothing but a clanging gong or tinkling cymbal. And so when we're thinking about this, guys, it's very clear. If you will read 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians chapter 4, you need to memorize not necessarily all of the verses in those chapters, but you need to know those chapters. Those are the chapters that speak about why God gave the gifts and what we're supposed to do with them. 
And so in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians 4, you have a, a comprehensive, it's not a full list. I don't believe it's all the gifts that are available, but it is a long list of possible spiritual gifts. And so as we close, let me just read these to you. Um, and some of them overlap, but this is so important. And, and this is what I want you to know. They needed all of this in the first century. It was so important that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter talked about them to the Christians they were leading in great detail. It wasn't debated, and it wasn't deeply explained about how each gift works in every situation. But it was clear that they had to have the gifts of the Spirit, and it was clear that the gifts of the Spirit were necessary for fruitful ministry. And, and, and here are some of the gifts that are listed in Scripture. In Romans chapter 12, and you can find this in verses 6, 7, and 8, but it's, it's these gifts. Prophecy, the gift of serving, that's an actual charismata, that is a spiritual gift, a gift of grace. The gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, giving your substance, your finances, your time, your energy, being a, a person who pours out into others, that's a spiritual gift. The gift of leadership, that is a spiritual gift. You shouldn't be in leadership unless you're cultivating that spiritual gift. You need the gift of leadership if you're going to really, really lead in the kingdom of God. And then in Romans 12, it talks about the gift of mercy. That's a spiritual gift. Um, then you get into 1 Corinthians 12 and the gifts that we've already mentioned. A word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We're going to go through all of these, by the way, in greater detail later. So don't, don't get disappointed that I'm not unpacking them right here. But the gift of faith, gift of gifts of healings, that's very important. It's plural. Gifts, plural, of healings, plural. I'll tell you why that's important in a future episode. Uh, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment of spirits, the gift of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. That's all found in 1 Corinthians 12. And then later, you actually find that these are listed as gifts, and these are in, in the end of chapter 12 in verses 28 and 30. Um, it says the gift of the apostle, the gift of the prophet, the gift of the teacher, the gift of miracles, the gift of healings, the gift of helps. Uh, I really want to highlight that one. The gift of helps. Nobody argues about that. That's going on in the church today. People like all day long. They say, yeah, we need people to help. But nobody recognizes that's actually in the list of charismata. That's actually in the list of supernatural spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Nobody's debating about that one, but they in that same list is mentioned tongues. And people say, well, tongues doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's in the same list as helps. If helps exist, why doesn't tongues exist? And then you've got in, in that same list in 1 Corinthians 12, you've got the gift of administration. Oh, my goodness, those people are so crucial to the body of Christ. The gift of administration. Those people keep ministry moving forward and avoid such pitfalls, and they help us to steward our resources and time. I love the people with the gift of administration. Could not make it without them. And then Ephesians 4, again, you have the offices that are listed. And we'll take a separate message for these two, but I'm just going to read them. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They're all called gifts to the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And they are given to us, that's commonly known as the five-fold ministry. These are individuals that God gives to local churches in order to strengthen the ministry of those churches. And, and if we're going to be perfectly clear, he gives the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the Big C Church globally. 
And so we'll talk about that. And then finally, in 1 Peter chapter 4, you've, you've got two sets of gifts. You've got proclamation and speaking gifts that are mentioned and serving and assisting gifts that are mentioned. And so I, I just want to say, with all that's talked about concerning the Holy Spirit gifts in the Bible, one of the most immature, reckless, cavalier, and potentially arrogant things that we can do is just say, yeah, those don't exist anymore. So friends, this is the way I look at it, and I'll challenge you, and I'm doing so in love. I'm not trying to be you know, pugnacious about this, but I, I really want to challenge, especially those of you that maybe come from a background like mine when, when I was taught these gifts were not of God, they were not available, and that they came to the end, uh, came to an, a ceasing, an end at the end of the first century. That's what I was taught, and I believed it, hook, line, and sinker. But there was one problem. I had no idea why I believed it other than somebody told me. And so what did I do? Well, I've told you in previous broadcasts that I began an exploration of what the Bible says. And guess what I found out? The Bible said a ton about how much we needed the gifts, why the Holy Spirit gave the gifts, how the gifts are used or were used in the narrative of the book of Acts and through the epistles. And I saw all of this teaching about how important the gifts were. Guess what I never found? I never found a single solitary verse that indicated the gifts would stop before Jesus Christ comes back. Not a single verse. And I love you, my cessationist friends, but I will say this. You're only going to have one tiny little nail that you're going to hang the doctrine of cessationism on. And I, I love you. But I'm going to pull that nail out of the wall in our next message because I'm going to debunk the myth of cessationism and I'm going to help you. And for those of you that are charismatics, listen, we need to be humble and wise in how we do this because we are we're really seeking to help people who have been taught improperly. These are not our enemies. These are our brothers. These are our sisters. These are people for whom Jesus Christ died. These are people who love the Lord. These are people that are serving the Lord. These are people that are sincere in their approach to the kingdom. They were taught poorly on this one issue. And if we're ever going to help them, we will have to approach it biblically because most of the people that are cessationists that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they deeply believe in the word of God. And so if we can show them in the word why the gifts are still current and still available, then they will have a much better opportunity to learn for themselves and say, oh my goodness, I have been taught wrongly. God, forgive me. And now God, help me because I want all that you have for me. I don't want to miss out on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So join us next time. In the next session, we will talk about the myth of cessationism, and I'll show you how easy it is to discover that the gifts did not stop at the end of the first century, but they continue on to this very day and will continue until Jesus Christ comes back to planet Earth. That's all for today on Mavericks and Misfits. Don't forget, if you haven't gotten my book, I want to encourage you, get a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get it at jefflyle.com. You can get it on Amazon. You can get the audio version at audible.com. It's called Figuring It Out As I Go. And I go into great detail about my personal journey in the late 90s, early 2000s, as I was also navigating this difficult to understand topic of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think it will encourage you in your journey. God bless you. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode... Please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.